that's a, that's a very powerful phrase, the Lord working with them, letting you know that the power is not in us. We might preach the gospel, but the power is not in us. The power is still in the word of God. And the power comes from God himself. And so here you see God working or the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. And uh, they were confirming the word with signs to let the people know that what they said was actually the truth. And they were able to back it up by performing signs. You know, it's a funny thing when you ask people who believe in miracles today to perform a sign. Uh, they never seem to perform a sign. Uh, you ask them to perform miracles. They never seem to perform miracles. They always have, have a, an answer where, you know, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit has to come. You know, if, if the Holy Spirit don't come, uh, then the miracle cannot be done. Or, or, or they put it on you. You need to have some faith. Uh, well, in every case in the Bible, the person didn't always have faith because sometimes they were dead. And the Lord and the apostles had to raise them from the dead again. In other words, if you have the power to perform miracles, you either have it or you don't. And I stopped by today to tell you, don't look for miracle workers today. The only miracle worker is God and Jesus our Lord. I want to talk on the subject today. I was kind of in and out with the subjects. and But I want to talk on this subject. What I believe, I preach everywhere. What I believe, I preach everywhere. And what I preach is what I believe. In other words, whatever my convictions are, that's what I believe I ought to preach. Sadly to say that there are some who are standing in the pulpits every Lord's Day morning and they're standing in the pulpit and there are some who uh, need to be like R. Kelly and they come out of the closet. We have some preachers uh, who need to just come out of the closet. Somebody say, preacher, why are you saying that? Because you have some who believe some things, but they won't preach what they believe. And they don't want to preach what they believe because they are afraid that they are going to be blackballed by the brotherhood. But I stopped by today to tell you that if I believe, and I don't, if I believe that there are Christians in all churches, you can rest assured that I will go everywhere preaching that there are Christians in all churches. If I believe, and I don't, that baptism is not essential to salvation, I would preach that belief everywhere. If I believe, and I don't, that I can lay hands on the sick and they are going to recover, I would go everywhere preaching what I believe but sadly to say there are some of our brothers who are in the brotherhood today who believe certain things uh, but they are afraid uh, to preach what they believe I challenge their conviction uh, on what they claim uh, that they believe if you believe something uh, you ought to be convicted enough uh, to preach what you believe but now I won't preach anything 
unless it lines up with the word of God. It must line up with the word of God. The Bible says in Matthew 28 and 20, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. Whatever I preach, it needs to line up with the word of God. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 1 around verse number 8, we are an angel from heaven if we preach any other gospel than what you have already received. Let him be a curse. In other words, if I preach anything that is not lined up in the Bible, then I can be placed under an eternal curse of God. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 22 around verse 18 and 19, the Bible says, if you add to the prophecy that is written in this book, God is going to add to the plagues of life that are written in this book to add or to subtract to what God has said but when I preach I want to be sure that I'm preaching things uh, that can be found uh, in the Bible that is scriptural that is coming uh, from the word uh, of the living God uh, and somebody says uh, if you don't have no script for your lip then keep your mouth zip and all I'm saying if you don't have a thus says the Lord you don't have mandate, you don't have order, and you don't have authorization to preach what is not lined up in the Bible, the Word of God. And when you come here on Sunday morning, you ought to want to hear what God has to say. You should not come for any other reason but to worship God in spirit and in truth. And if there's anybody here right now who did not come to worship God in spirit and in truth, I give you the spiritual permission to get out of your seat, walk to the back door, and walk out of this building because you came here for the wrong purpose in mind. If you didn't come here to worship God in spirit and in truth, you came here for the wrong purpose. Amen, somebody. If you didn't come, and let me say this. God is the object of our worship. It's not the preacher. It's not the song leader. God is the object. Let me say this. God is the audience of our worship. You are not the audience. You are the ones and the individuals who have come to worship God in spirit and in truth. And many times we come here for other reasons. We come here to see who's here. You know, I mean, it's a sad day when you get up in the morning and fix yourself up from head to toe and come here to see who's coming here. It's a sad day when you come here to show off your clothes. Hello, somebody. Don't you know some folk, I mean, it may not be you guys, but some folk will buy stuff in the store and they want to come peacock here at the church. When you come here, it should be to worship God in spirit and in truth. I want to talk on the first subject or the first point today, and that is, and I tried to thing out what I wanted to do this morning, and, 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 and I thought about visiting that sermon we did yesterday and going a little deeper and further than that, who really, who wants to go uh, to heaven, uh, but then I changed my mind on that, and then I wanted to go uh, somewhere else. I gave 
uh, the sound man uh, a subject, and I changed it, uh, and maybe we'll deal with it on, on next week. And I have to be in uh, a number of places, and I try to sometime work a sermon before I go on the road, and uh, I'll be in New Orleans Sunday after next, and then I'll be in uh, Hattiesburg the Sunday after the next, that Sunday, and then I'll be in, uh, what is this other place called? Uh, uh, help me, somebody, help me. Somebody said, Preacher, we don't know where you're going. I can't help you. Tuskegee. Tuskegee. Tuskegee, Alabama. Uh, we'll be there, and then I'll be over in California. But anyhow, I was trying to fix the, the sermons, and, uh, but uh, I decided to go with this one here uh, on this morning. But what I believe, I preach everywhere. And, and let me give you this here uh, before I get into the first points. They won't be long. Uh, the most dangerous preachers in our brotherhood today, I told you, is age 50 and under. Age 50 and under. Because you have that mix of that Generation X flowing into that millennial. And it's not that the millennials are dangerous. Uh, they're, they're just like every other, you know, the baby boomers. You know, they just like everybody else. But they are the most dangerous now because the voice of the older preachers are not heard by the voice of the younger ears. And so they're listening to those guys 50 and under now because they are closer to their age. And there are guys now, some I know personally and others I don't, who believe these things like I'm talking about. But they won't get up in pulpits and, and say that. Others have come out of the closet. It's funny about this homosexual gay movement. I know when you reminded yourself when one celebrity came out, it was followed by another celebrity, and then another celebrity came out, and then another one came out. Well, that's what's happening now in our brotherhood with some of these preachers. They're coming out of the closet now. Because when one come out, then it gives courage to another one to come out and say, this thing is not so bad. You know, he believes this and he's spreading it all over. And then, then I will come out with mine. And so they're coming out uh, all over the brotherhood. Uh, but that's why, that's why God needs preachers who will stand on truth. That's why God needs Christians who will stand on truth. But when you don't know what truth is, you will accept anything that comes from the pulpit. When you don't know your Bible. And that's why they can bring instrumental music in the church. That's why they can bring women leadership in the church. Because folk who are sitting in the pews don't know the scriptures. Hello, somebody. They don't know the Bible. And when some guy get up there eloquently speaking uh, and using terms that they never heard in their life, they think that he must be blessed by God uh, with some kind of spiritual revelation uh, from on high because they ain't never heard it before. You got to study your Bible. You have to study your Bible. Because if you don't know your Bible, you're going to be bamboozled by somebody who claim to know their Bible. I believe that the Bible is the word of truth. I mean, that's what I believe. I believe the Bible is the word of truth. I believe the Bible is actually the word of God. 
Second Timothy chapter 3, around verse number 16, 17, the Bible tells that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be perfectly, thoroughly furnished unto every good what? Good works. I believe that the word of God right here is actually what God gave men by way of the Holy Spirit to write down in record that you and I might have a copy of the actual literal word of God that's going to guide our lives and direct our lives and correct our lives and fulfill our lives in this old world for the world that is to come. But then there are others who will say, well, Brother Viltz, you know, uh, Acts chapter 8 is not in the original manuscript. How you know what's in the original manuscript? Y'all know how old the original manuscript got to be? Who have a copy of Deuteronomy chapter 5? Verse number one that came from the handwriting of Moses. Who got that original copy? Raise your hand. And they claim, you know, it's not in the original manuscript. How you know it's not in the original manuscript? Have you seen an original manuscript? You know how old that writing must be? And perhaps ain't even together anymore. That thing is over 2,000 years old. Stuff is old if it's 100 years old. Imagine over 2,000. And then there are others. Then there are others. Well, Brother Vilch, you know, you know, what about, have you ever heard of the, the lost books of the Bible? Uh, have you ever heard about that rattle? Let me ask the question now before I talk about it. Have anybody heard about the lost books of the Bible? Just raise your hand if you just heard of it. Why am I going to concern myself with some lost books? They're more interested in the lost books of the Bible than the 66 found books. Why am I concerning myself with lost books and I got 66 that is found? What you going to do with the 66 that is found in the Bible. And all I read in the Bible, God has given us all things pertain unto life and godliness in these 66 right up in here. And if I got all what I need in this world that'll take me to the world to come, why in the world I'm gonna waste some of my good time trying to search for some lost books? I mean, I wonder what the names are. Huh? I mean, I wonder what the names are. <laughs> you know, is it is it Saint Rick? You know, I mean, really, I mean, what what, what are names on law? You know, we talk about the lost books of the Bible. Well, I ain't never heard any name. What what are the names of the lost books of the Bible? And if I have a hard time with living the sixty-six books. <laughs> Why would I tax on my spirit some lost books of the Bible? And I ain't never read in the 66 books of the Bible telling me that there are lost books of the Bible. I ain't never read 
in the 66 books were any of the writers who were inspired ever told us of some other books that we cannot find that are connected in the 66 books of the Bible. And so where did these books come from? Now, I'm not going to say that there are not any other inspired writings out there. Perhaps they might be, but I ain't never read of God making mention of no other books that is on this earth. And I do believe that if there are some other books that is on this earth, God somehow is going to cause us to find those books. But the last time I checked, all we need is these six to six to make heaven our home. I mean, everything you deal with in life can be found right up in here in this book. Give me John chapter 20. Give me John chapter 20 right quickly. John chapter 20. And I want in John chapter 20, give me verse number 30 and 31. John chapter 20, 30 and 31. Let's see. And many other signs. Truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Hold it right here. Now, there are some other stuff that Jesus did, y'all, <laughs> that is not in the Bible. Boy, that, 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 won't that make you wonder? Jesus, y'all, raised Lazarus from the dead. I want to know, did he do some other stuff? Jesus walked on top of the water. I want to know, what else did he do? Jesus calmed the winds and the waves. I mean, look, I can't think of anything greater than walking on top of the water and raising Lazarus from the dead. But the Bible says there's some other stuff that Jesus did in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. Watch this here. Give me verse number 31. Watch this. But these are what? Y'all, these are recorded that ye might what? Believe. That Jesus is the son of the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. In other words, this is all y'all need. You don't need any other, you don't need no other books. This is all you need right up in here. And these are written that you might what? That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. You don't need nothing else. And folk be talking, you know, well, you know, I want to go to a church that perform miracles. Well, go right ahead. If you believe that them folk can do some miracles, go right ahead. And I challenge them. I just I challenge them all the time. Now, if you can do something, I mean, look here. Let's go down to let's go down to the lake. If you got it, let's go down to the lake. I have never seen any one of them here go down to the lake and heal anybody, and they put it on Channel Nine. And folk like to talk about all these different ministries. I don't like to call folk names, but they talk about all these different ministries up in here in Baton Rouge and all the miracles that they witness in their church services. Well, why every time you witness something, it's in the midst of your church services? Go down there on Blue Bonnet and go to the general and go heal some folk right there. And I guarantee you, Channel 9, Channel and all of the rest of them going to be right there with their cameras and showing that stuff at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and 10 o'clock. A miracle have been performed. But guess what? 
always in the midst of their service. And you don't know that them folks are working in a business? Huh? I mean, I hate to say that, y'all, but it's the truth. You don't know that there are records where people have been paid? Huh? Have been paid to go along with these so-called miracle workers? All of the people who are dying now with cancer, all of the children who are in St. Jude Hospital who are dying now and receiving with cancer, some of them folk died. And all of the miracle workers we got out here. And then to get some of them out there, they got to be paid to go out there. If you got it, you got it. If you don't know the word of God for yourself, you're going to be bamboozled by these people. And then there are others, and I'll go on to point number two. There are others who fuss and fight about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Brother Phil, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John ain't, ain't New Testament. It's Old Testament. Brother, if you want to believe Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is Old Testament, then you just go on and write ahead and believe Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is Old Testament. I'm telling you, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is inspired by God. I ain't got time to argue with nobody about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's not New Testament, but Old Testament. Amen, somebody. I ain't got time now. If you want to believe his Old Testament, fine. The last time I checked, Mark, Luke, and John is pointing forward. It ain't going backwards to the Old Testament. It's going forward to the things that is happening in the New Testament church and the New Testament age. But if you want to believe that is Old Testament, brother, I ain't going to fight you and withdraw fellowship from you because you believe is Old Testament. All I know for sure is inspired by God. Amen anyhow. Folk will fuss you down till you, till you lose all your clothes and over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Amen, somebody. Go right ahead and believe all what you want about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All I know is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is inspired by God in heaven. Holy men wrote down as the Spirit gave them utterance. Number two. Number two. Also, I want to talk about, I believe that Jesus is is the Christ. I believe Jesus is the Savior. And I believe in order to be saved, a person must get inside Jesus. He must get inside Christ. I believe that Jesus is the way. John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, hold on now. Now, you know, when people would tell us that Jesus is the way, some of us Church of Christ folk will jump down those folk throats. Now, wait a minute now. You, now, Jesus, yeah, we understand, but there's some other stuff you got to do. Wait a minute. Start where the people are. Amen, somebody. If they believe Jesus is the way, start right there with what they believe. Don't cut them up now, 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 now. Wait a minute now. That's not what the Bible says. Start where people are. If they believe Jesus is the way, say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Jesus is the way. Now, let's go to the scripture where you talk about he is the way. John 14, 6, Jesus is the way. The Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, the next thing you talk about, he is the way. Then you got to ask him, well, how do we get in the way? 
And then he says, I am the truth. Sanctified through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Then he says about that. Say, uh, he talks about uh, that a man uh, shall believe of the truth. Uh, and the truth shall what? Set you free. So you got to teach them where they are. Don't try to run three and four levels away from where people are. Start where they are and teach them from that point. Jesus is the way. Yes, he is. He is the way. But how do we get in to Christ? And there are people who believe that all you need to do is believe in Jesus. And you are going to be saved. Just like there are some of our churches who believe that a person does not need to be retaught and baptized the right way because they claim that they have been baptized right in denominationalism. I stopped by to tell you, it's hard for me to believe that a person been taught right by the Baptists and baptized right, but they're in the wrong church. How are you going to be baptized, taught right first, baptized right, but you end up in the wrong place? I had a fellow who told, told me that one time. We was in uh, South Florida. and We went to breakfast, and I spoke to him, and I said, man, I said, I said, do you believe? I said, you still believe that there are Christians in all churches? He said, yeah, exactly. He said, I still believe that. I said, well, okay. I said, well, all right, all right. I said, listen. I said, I want you to help me understand how you got that conclusion. You need to share with me. Let me know how. I mean, are you saying, and you know, I, I, I said, are you saying that, you know, they can be, they can obey the gospel over there, but they are just in the wrong place? He said, that's exactly what I'm saying. How are you going to be taught right and end up wrong? There's one gospel. And when you teach the one gospel, it makes you a member of the one church. How are you going to teach the one gospel, but he can become a part of any church? Hello, somebody. Jesus is the way. But how do you get in him? The Bible says, give me 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 10. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 10. Watch what the Bible says here. The Bible says, therefore I do all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain, may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now salvation is where? Salvation is in Christ. If you want salvation, you have to do what? You got to get in Christ. Now watch what's happening in our world today. People are saying this. They're saying that baptism is necessary because Jesus commanded it. But it is not essential to salvation. Did you get that? I'm telling you what they're saying. That's, that's exactly what they're saying. They say it is necessary because Jesus commanded it. Matthew 28, 19. Mark 16, 15, 16. They say it's necessary because he commanded it. But it don't save nobody. Now they need to understand the difference between necessary and essential. Because I don't understand if it's necessary but not essential. Jesus says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy 
spirit. Now, if Jesus said it, it's necessary, but it ain't going to save nobody. Mark 16 and 50 talks about go, ye therefore, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believe it and is what? Baptized what? Shall. Wait a minute. Shall. Shall be what? Saved. Now you're saying that it's necessary, baptism, but it won't save anybody. Now either I'm going to believe the Bible that is inspired by God or I'm going to take the word of a man who is not inspired by God. And people every Sunday, I'm telling you, are believing stuff that is not inspired by the Lord. Yesterday we used in the funeral the sinner's prayer. You can't find a sinner's prayer in the Bible. I know that sounds good, y'all. I know it sounds good when the preacher get up there and he says, and he says, you know, anybody who want to accept the Lord Jesus in your heart, just repeat this prayer after me. Well, watch this here. Jesus never authorized nobody to pray a prayer to be saved. How you going to pray to God and you're not even connected to God? That's why he taught his disciples, when you pray, say, our father. He got to be your father in order. I know there's two fathers in this world because John chapter number 8 and verse number 44 talks about the devil. Ye are of your father, the devil. So it's either God is your father or the devil is your spiritual father. And I want you to know, baptism saves. Baptism saves. I'm, I'm, baptism saves. And I heard one of the radio uh, programs out here, and, uh, they were talking and they were trying to define the terms in the Bible that baptism didn't mean water baptism. It was Holy Spirit baptism. Holy Spirit baptism. And in Ephesians 4, the Bible says there's one, Baptism. Now you tell me which one is that. And so that it's not the water baptism that is doing the saving. It is the Holy Spirit baptism. And some of them with ignorance, and I don't mean this as downplay uh, to minimize anybody, but to be baptized with fire is not what none of us get. The baptism of fire is hell. You say it old like you almost believe something else on that. I'm just, I'm just saying. But there are some people who believe that they receive the baptism of fire and mix that up with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't want the baptism of fire. That's the second death. That's hell fire. You don't want that one. And in order to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, one needs to be authorized to get that. And when I check in the Bible, the apostles, the 12, receive the Holy Spirit of baptism or baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when they're able to speak in cloven tongues like as a fire. And folk take that scripture and say, you see right there, they were baptized with fire. Like as fire is not fire. 
I'm telling you this because there are people in the church who will take anything that a man says because they don't know the Bible for themselves. Baptism saves. Get from in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And somebody said, Preacher, I know that scripture already. Well, you need, to, you need to see it again. Because you need to embed it in your spirit over and over and over again. First Peter 3 and verse, um, give me First Peter 3 verse uh, 20 and see what it, what it got there. Let's see. First Peter chapter 3. Which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing way and few, that is eight souls uh, were what? They were what? By what? Now watch the comparison. Verse 21. The like figure whereunto even baptism through it also what? I'll do what? Save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of God, uh, of, of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of what? Jesus Christ. In other words, baptism saves. Uh, baptism does nothing for your outward man. But it cleans you of your inward man. In other words, you're not, it don't do nothing. It, it's not a bath. It don't cleanse you physically. It cleanses you spiritually. And it gives you a good conscience towards the Lord God. Baptism does saves. Now let's go on to point number three as we come to uh, the close uh, of today. I want to go to this. This is a little different. Get 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. And uh, let's take a look at this one. This is, this is vitally important. And, uh, and this is the argument we... One of them they're dealing with, anybody who know anything about church history knew that uh, this thing that separated uh, what was called the Christian church and the church of Christ uh, back in the early 1900s. Uh, instrumental music uh, is what separated uh, those two. They claim that uh, they are the same. Uh, I don't know about that, but they claim that it's the same. Uh, one of the late pioneer preachers, Brother G.P. Bowser, uh, was... Uh, the Christian church, and there's no evidence or record that he was ever baptized into the church of Christ. Uh, and, and must I say this, that it is not being baptized into the church of Christ. You are baptized into Christ. Hello, somebody. You know, sometimes we talk about, you know, you're baptized into the church of Christ. No, no, no. You're baptized into Christ. And when you're baptized into Christ, he adds you to his church. And we almost make in the church like the church of Christ we have doctrine. That's not our doctrine. It's not a church of Christ doctrine. It's a biblical, scriptural doctrine. It's not church of Christ. We almost make a church of Christ denomination. We got to watch that. It is not the church of Christ. It is the church that Christ died and purchased with his own blood. And so when we get in Christ, he adds us to the church, and we get into the church that Jesus died for. Watch this here. First. Uh, I didn't tell you the scripture. First Corinthians 14, 15. Watch this here. I was talking to you about the Christian church versus the church of Christ. Instrumental music uh, that, that told them apart in the early 1900s. Give me verse number 15. Watch this. What is it then? I will pray with the what? Now let's, let's just stop right here. I'm closing. Let me ask, let me ask the men something. 
when you get up here on Sunday, don't raise your hand. How many of y'all pray in the spirit? Don't, uh, <laughs> how, many, how many of you pray in the spirit? You ain't going to be able to pray in the spirit if you don't have the spirit in you. And we got to be careful. And, and I don't mean, you know, I'm not trying to say nothing about anybody in the church. I'm just, this is generally saying. Who prays when we pray? Testing, one, two. Testing. Y'all can hear that? When we pray, we must get men who are filled with the Spirit. Now watch this here. Now the hard thing about it is we don't know who's filled with the Spirit. So whoever we choose to pray, we by faith are believing that he's right with God. But just in case he ain't right with God, the folk who are in the pews, y'all better be praying too. <laughs> and must I say this sometimes the sisters might be able to get a prayer up when the brothers might not be able to get a prayer up now I want to say this now I don't believe it one bit but I don't, I don't believe it one bit that all of our brothers can't get no prayer up amen somebody because I guarantee you I will get one up amen somebody I'm going to get one up <laughs> I'm going to get one up but point is this, is when we pray, everybody must be praying. Everybody must be praying. We must pray in the spirit. But in order to pray in the spirit, you must have the spirit within you. And all I'm saying, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to guide our hearts, to guide our mouths, to guide our thoughts when we pray. Have you ever seen a pray and he just... He just cries when he prays. He just busts into tears. He gets so wrapped up into the prayer. He gets so caught up into what he's trying to say. What does he say? He says, pray in the spirit and what? And I will pray with. Listen, when we pray, that should not be the same old prayer you prayed last week. Hello, somebody. I'm not fighting no brothers, but that sometimes we got brothers. It's the same old prayer. Hello, somebody. There's some other choice words you can use. And if you're led by the Spirit of God, and if you listen to what the church is saying, uh, and if you pay attention to the people's lives, uh, you will know how to talk to God on the behalf of God's people. And you shouldn't come up every time we say more prayer. We verbatim, we know exactly what he's going to say. Mm -mm. You ought to have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that listens to the people of God and to the things that are happening in this world. And then when you pray, you have to understand when you pray. Huh? You have to pay attention to what you're saying. In other words, think before you speak. Watch the second one. He says, and I will pray with the understanding also. And he says, I will sing with the what? I can't tell if some of y'all singing with no spirit or not. <laughs> and I'm not talking about doing cart, cartwheels in the church and, and, and waving your hands from side to side. That's not what I'm talking about. But y'all, if the Lord been good to you, we ought to be able to get, a, get something out of you. <laughs> uh, 
Come on, man. You should open up your mouth. That's what I'm saying. You should be happy to sing along with the person next beside you. You ought to be happy to sing for the person behind you. You ought to be happy to sing along with the person in front of you. And collectively, we ought to sing what? In the spirit. We ought to be singing according to truth. And then he says we ought to sing with the understanding. How many of y'all pay attention to the words y'all say? Huh? Some people just, we just, we just sing. We, we see on the screen. They ain't paying attention to the words at all. Pay attention to what you say. That's what he's saying. I will sing with the spirit and will sing with understanding. And that means that what we say must be understood. And when it's understood, then it provides us with meaning. And when we sing, Every Sunday, everybody is supposed to sing, y'all. I say everybody is supposed to sing, y'all. You shouldn't be sitting down with your mouth closed, with your arms folded, with your mind elsewhere. You should be singing. And you know something? Somebody may say, well, preacher, you might you shouldn't have to say that to the church. There's a whole lot of things we shouldn't have to say. Huh? There's a whole lot of things we shouldn't have to say. There's a whole lot of things we should not have to do. But guess what? We got to say them and we got to do them if we want some productivity. And what I'm saying to you sometime in the church, we become relaxed. It's not that we don't worship God, but sometimes we come to church and sometimes our minds are just not where it's supposed to be. It's not that you didn't come with the intention of worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Sometime, uh, sometime, you know, we over here and we're supposed to be right here. And then we come try to worship him with our minds being way over here and we're not in tune. Have you ever worshiped like that? I have. I have. Well, you, you were not in sync. You were sitting down in the pews. You might have been singing, mumbling something. You might have been turning your Bible pages. But you weren't in sync. And I stopped by today to tell you, every Sunday you come and you get in sync with the worship of God, you're going to leave a different individual. You come to give and you come to participate. And when you come to give on Sunday and you give all you got and you worship God in spirit and in truth out of the goodness of God to us and this world, you will praise God for yourself. Regardless of what somebody else is doing next to you, it is because of you. Yes, we worship God collectively, but it's also personal and as individuals. And when we worship God, we all must worship God with the understanding of worshiping him in spirit and in truth for ourselves. Worship is not only generally, worship is personal. I can't tell you what God has done for you. You can't tell me what he's done for me. But I know what he's done for all of us. He gave us Jesus. He saved us from a devil's hell. And because of that alone, when we come up in here, it ought to be about him and him only. If you're not a child of God, you come by hearing his word, believing the same, repenting of sins, confessing Christ, that he is the son of the living God, putting him on in water baptism for the remission of your sins. I hope and pray that there's somebody who say today, I'm going to get in Christ. I'm going to be baptized for the remission of my sins. I'm going to get my life ready for the eternal life by getting my soul cleansed from all of its sins. And then it may be those who are sinful on today. Maybe you did something, you said something that is contrary to God's word. 
and it's on your conscience and you feel you got to get it right before it's eternally too late, that's your choice. Together, as we stand and as we sing the invitation song, Why Don't You Come? Why Don't You Come?